everybody and welcome to Outward Slate Show about queer life and culture, both on this side of the veil and in the lands beyond. <laughs> I'm Brian Lauder. I'm an editor at Slate. And if you need me this Halloween Samhain season, I'll be waiting for the great gay pumpkin and the most sincere Whole Foods decorative gourd display I can find. <laughs> Do y'all want to come with? <laughs> Oh, 100%. I'm so there. Um, I am Jules Gill Peterson, noted Elvira lookalike. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Christina Cotarucci, uh, senior writer at Slate. And am I supposed to know what Samhain means? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think on today's show, we might learn uh, it is the, the Wiccan holiday. Uh, oh, nice uh, yeah. oh, my God. It's Halloween. Yeah. Remove my gay card from my wallet. <laughs> no, seriously, I thought it was an adjective. My bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's the it's the witch's new year. Um, so speaking of speaking of uh, Halloween and all things witchy, uh, we have a lot of that on our show today. But first, uh, I just want to share with everyone that we're going to be switching things up a bit uh, starting this month. You're going to start to see a lot more of us in your feeds, which is very exciting, with shorter and different sorts of episodes dropping most weeks, uh, and we'll even have some new voices occasionally joining the mix. We're really, really pumped about it, uh, and we hope you enjoy hearing even more Outward in your ears. On today's show, we're going to discuss Living for the Dead, the new queer ghost hunting reality show from the creators of Queer Eye that is now streaming on Hulu. Whether it's the ghosts that are queer or the hunters or both, <laughs> you'll have to wait and see. What I can tell you now is that it's narrated by the disinvited voice of Kirsten Stewart, which is a haunting I'm sure we'd all welcome. Along with that, we'll have a round of prides and provocations and your monthly updates to the gay agenda. But first, Jules, I believe we have a missive to our mailbag from mm-hmm. Down Under. Yes, we <laughs> do. Mm-hmm. I just want to say thank you, listeners, for really calling me in. Um, you know, <laughs> I I may have, uh, well, not inadvertently, I may have used an Australian accent. On Very the advertently. Very advertently. And you you know, you all know I'm from Canada. I'm in the same um, inglorious uh, British Empire remnants <laughs> as, as the Aussies. But very grateful to Mel from Tasmania, who's here to set the record straight on my uh, Aussie impersonation misadventure. Hi, Atwood. It's Mel here from Tasmania, Australia, also known as Lutruita. Jules, I think you're fabulous, but that Australian accent, whew, no. That's all. Thanks. Bye. Wow. wow. I can't <laughs> tell you how pleased I was to receive this message from Mel. Um, you know, not all of us have the chutzpah to really drag jewels. Um, <laughs> we're all like low-key scared of her with her giant mm. brain. Um, and so it felt really good to have someone halfway around the world write in specifically to tell her that she was wrong. I like the attention. <laughs> yeah. All press is good press, right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, if you have a thought or a query for us, you know, it could be about anything, not just about me. Uh, please, <laughs> please let us know at outwardpodcast at slate.com. We really do especially love to hear your gorgeous voices, especially when they're correcting proper pronunciation. <laughs> so mm-hmm. please send us your voice memos that way if you are so inclined. Well, with that, why don't we get into our prides and provocations? Um, Brian, how are you feeling this month? 
The Samhain month. <laughs> that's great. Yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, I am feeling proud, and I'm feeling proud specifically of our amazing Slate colleague and past Outward guest, Evan Urquhart, for the launch a few weeks ago of his amazing and really important new project. Uh, it's called the Trans Data Library. Mm-hmm. Um, now, a lot of our listeners uh, probably already know about Evan's really essential uh, trans reporting for Slate and also for his site, Assigned Media. Um, and this is a new resource that's sort of an offshoot of that. Uh, I'm just going to read from the launch announcement because it lays out really well what the mission is. Quote, We believe the anti-trans reactionary backlash is a problem of the far-right fringe, but that this extreme element has made some headway legislatively and culturally due to widespread confusion, misinformation, propaganda, and obfuscation of the anti-trans movement and its aims. If it's a misinformation problem, the cure is better information, more accessible and available to the public. The trans data library contains searchable, interconnected entries on the individuals and organizations involved in anti-trans activism. So this is kind of like a Wikipedia for anti-trans activists and organizations. Um, and it's just such an amazing thing to be able to go in and sort of see all of these connections uh, laid out for you in a way that's, you know, unbiased that's that's providing information about what what these organizations and people are doing and it's hard to keep up with all of the sort of yes. shady shady mm-hmm. players who are like driving this quote unquote backlash um and so and that's even true for us like journalists and like professional activists and that kind yeah. of thing so this is very valuable it could be helpful when you're having conversations with family and friends mm-hmm. who are being influenced uh by some of these organizations and people so definitely take a look at it it's at transdatalibrary.org Mm. It's so good. Um, and yeah. as always, just really grateful to Evan for yeah. spending yeah. his time digging into like the deep, dark, ugly depths of it's this stuff. such tough, tough work. And it, yeah, Seriously. it's really incredible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Christina, what do, you, what do you have? I have actually a personal pride this month. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I recently got back from a trip to Berlin and Prague. Mm. Um, I don't even know why I attempted a German accent there. Uh-oh. Someone's going to write me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as you guys know, whenever I go on a trip anywhere, I do a real deep dive to see if I can find any queer events going on. Um, on this trip, we it was me, my wife, and our two friends. We found, you know, a plethora of of events happening in Berlin because the nightlife culture is so robust. And we went to three different things when we were there. On a Saturday night, we went to see this trans-Brazilian singer perform um, at like a ballroom type event, um, which was so much fun. Everyone looked incredible. Um, The next night, we went to the club. And then the third night, we went to... (laughs) like this really cute sort of homey dyke bar in the neighborhood we were staying, which was having an alien themed drag show. Okay. So they were, people were in drag as aliens from alternate dimensions. Um, It was so much fun. But the thing that I'm really proud of is we actually ended up seeing some of the same people at these events. Ooh, that's so cute. Yeah. And it made it feel just really homey. And sort of uh, re 
reiterated a fact that I already know, which is that it's so much easier to make friends when you're a queer person. Yeah. <laughs> like there's this yeah. huge city, like one of the biggest cities in Europe. We show up having never been there before, not knowing anybody in the city. And like just by virtue of what little research we did ended up like kind of inserting ourselves into this scene that already existed independent of us. And I feel like if this was like our first weekend in a new city, we would already be well on the way to making friends because, you know, Mm -hmm. it's this is how these things happen is you see the same people at enough things until finally you're like, hi, we basically know each other, you know, let's actually exchange (laughs) information. Um, We had the best time. And uh, yeah, I it's it was also really refreshing because it's been a while since I've, um, you know, traveled to a place and really felt like almost immediately sort of at home like oh i i kind of can see what it would be like to live here and Mm. the kind of scene that i could be a part of it was really fun and i'm really proud it's really such a queer superpower to be able to yeah to just like drop in a city and Mm -hmm. and like find your way almost almost immediately if you take the time to do a little bit of research beyond like the tourist places like totally uh, which it sounds like you did and another thing that happened just quickly at the lesbian bar that we went to we also saw a person who we had seen earlier that day on the train. Really? <laughs> Which we had just like clocked this person on the train being like, oh, hi, like this train's a safe space now. Um, and then later that night, they were at this bar. I was like, are you following us? Are we following you? I thought this city was big, but actually, no matter where you go, the queer world is small. I feel like you're in like a... Iris Axe indie queer movie. You're also supposed to like a romance yes. or something. Weird. Yes, definitely. And a definitely. murder, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Next time. Yeah. Um, Jules, what's going on with you this month? Well, I just wanted like the most lighthearted, superficial provocation in the history of the world um, to to offset some of the the darkness and heaviness going on out there. So. So I just want to, I just want to come out of the closet real quick. Um, and I bet a lot of listeners have to do this as well. I am secretly watching season three of the morning show. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. And it doesn't say anything about me. No, it says nothing about me for the record. Um, mm-hmm. But I just want to say the thing, I, I love the show because it is just like, just like ridiculous enough that I could, you know, manage to watch it without having to actually activate any of my prefrontal cortex. Um, but <laughs> I have to say, you know, if anyone is watching or if you want to watch because of this, I mean, the show literally gives you Reese Witherspoon in a quote unquote <laughs> lesbian relationship with Juliana Margulies. And it is like, the least convincing huh. relationship between two women I have ever seen in the yeah. history of media. It is truly, truly unnerving and shocking when these characters who have been dating, I believe now for like over a season, you know, at some point during a scene, will like walk up together on a New York street and like technically, legally, I guess, kiss. And I'm always legally. like... <laughs> What is happening on my TV? What is this? And I'm like, oh my God, right. They're in a relationship. They're supposed to have affection and like each other. Sometimes they're in bed together, implied that they're naked, like they had sex. It is the weirdest, 
weirdest. I, I mean, the writing on that show is terrible. These two actors, bless them. I love them both. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I cannot believe for one second that Reese Witherspoon and Juliana Margulies have chemistry or attraction. Um, it is truly like if you just want something to gawk at for a little bit uh, and turn that brain off, you gotta go get provoked by this quote unquote <laughs> queer relationship story on the morning show. <laughs> so I only watched the first season, which was before this relationship came to be. But I already did not like Reese Witherspoon in that yeah. show. I think she's oh, a yeah. terrible actress on that show. I, yeah. I can't speak to her, the rest of her oeuvre. But I feel <laughs> like uh, never thought, never was convinced by her character. And yeah. even though Juliana Margulies <clears throat> is super hot, she's actually my wife's like third cousin or something. So I feel mm. like I'm just... She is really hot. You're, you're, in the, you're in the club, yeah. <laughs> but it's... I don't... I cannot see the two of them convincingly no. play no. weird together. No, it would never happen. I think I might have to go and just watch just to be annoyed by it. Yeah, we'd love been, your thoughts. Jules, I have to tell you, I've been vetoing the third season of the show in my house <laughs> as, a, as a thing for us all to watch because I just I couldn't I couldn't get into the first uh, two. And you've just given me more uh, ammo for that because I, 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 uh, I really don't want to watch it. So <laughs> I'm gonna, okay. it's, it's harm reduction. I respect <laughs> All right, we'll be right back after a break. Well, considering how much heat I've gotten from Australia, I don't want to get in trouble with the ghost community now. So <laughs> let me just be really, really clear up front. October is not the only time of year that we see ghosts, okay? Mm-hmm. And ghosts deserve year-round visibility. <laughs> But I have to say, it kind of feels like we're living through a little bit of a ghost hunting renaissance on mm-hmm. television, right? Anyone remember Conjuring Kesha? Oh, do I ever. <laughs> right! <laughs> but Hulu actually now has a new series that's sort of like if Queer Eye spent the night in haunted mansions. It's called Living for the Dead, and it brings us five queer ghost hunters who team up in a very cute retro RV to take a haunted road trip to some of the spookiest places in the United States. And maybe unsurprisingly, considering where our culture is, it turns out that a lot of what's haunting the people they meet in each episode is the unresolved traumas they've experienced in life. (laughs) But it's actually really the empathy from our queer ghost hunties, if that's what they call themselves, that's just as much what they're there to offer as, of course, all the fun, extremely implausible gadgets that are apparently Mm -hmm. measuring electromagnetic waves and talk with demons and, you know, all the very highly entertaining trappings that we come for. Oh, and, you know, I know we already mentioned this at the top of the show, but Kristen Stewart is the breathy, I want to say, pretty sexy narrator. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have to talk about this show. Um, Christina, Brian, okay, first of all, do you believe in ghosts, hunties? (laughs) (laughs) I don't not believe in ghosts. I'm sort of agnostic about ghosts. You know... It's, I think it's perfectly plausible that we don't know all of the electromagnetic happenings that are <laughs> around mm-hmm. us at any specific point. Mm-hmm. Um, however, this show did more to turn me off from the concept of ghosts than mm. any ghost story <laughs> I've ever read or watched before. Ouch! I know. I was 
I was really excited about this because I'm obsessed with Kristen Stewart. Mm. Um, she never appears on the show. Yeah. She only has some like really corny scripted narration at the beginning and the yeah. end of each episode. Um, and I thought this made for terrible TV. <gasps> because I'm so oh. glad you guys feel differently. I really oh. thought we were all gonna agree. Oh. Coming for this show. Ouch. I'm glad we didn't talk about this before. <laughs> you can't see anything that's happening. I they're definitely I I don't wanna I don't know the motivations of the hunties that are on this show. <laughs> I can't actually tell whether they believe what they're saying or whether they're really mm. trying to just pull the wool over our eyes. Um to to get themselves like money and fame and and have a career as a I think one's a paranormal researcher there's a tarot yeah. card reader there's a medium they all have these you know one's a witch mm -hmm. um they all have these different uh areas of expertise I guess mm -hmm. um but you know they're like oh my god there's like something moving in the corner I felt something touch the back of my head like you can't see that on TV and then these gadgets that they have or these things that happen like oh my god the smoke alarm just went off how much do you want to bet a producer was in the next room pushing the test <gasps> thing Christina. on the smoke alarm Christina. <gasps> never how could you doubt that <laughs> Or, you know, uh, shaking the chandelier a little bit. Oh, my also, God, the chandelier shaking. They're all so scared of the ghosts and demons <laughs> when this is their job. How are they still so disturbed by it? Um, but I found the whole thing to be such a shallow imitation of Clear Eye, where they're trying to recreate the sort of, like, queer zingery and queer affect of the show Queer Eye um, and like the chemistry of the five people and how they're nominally there to do one thing, but they're actually there to help the people, you know, right. heal themselves. Um, but I thought it fell just so far short of that, where there was none of the actual substance and like montage type energy that Queer Eye has that made it. And I don't even like that show, but it works. I think objectively that show works and this show doesn't. The people I actually I'm going to stop now because I want to hear what you guys think. But I think it's actively harmful. This show is doing oh to both viewers and the people they're interacting with. What did you guys think? Wow. Okay, for an opposing <laughs> point of view, let's go to Brian Louder. Yeah. Uh, well, first to answer your your um, sort of spiritual question, Jules, I believe that energy from human beings' lives can like adhere to places, and so mm. that you can go into a place where something very traumatic or violent maybe has happened or very sad, something like that, and sort of feel that, and you could perceive that to be like a ghost. I don't tend to think that our like actual consciousnesses stick around here mm -hmm. i hope not because that seems kind of <laughs> shitty what i do believe in 100 is the ghost hunties uh, <gasps> this really? is my favorite is show that i've seen in no. like ages yes yes oh, i thought this was absolutely now you've articulated, I I knew you. you've articulated many of the things that are like quote-unquote wrong with it but that's the entire point so i think i think it's like a i think it's mm. like a matter of perspective interesting I, th okay. I thought this was hilarious campy like exactly like a perfect send-up and sort of mix of queer eye the older ghost hunting shows, which maybe, maybe what you're missing is like the vocabulary of that, because there's been shows on mm. television for like 20 years yeah. that use all of the things that you're talking about. Is That's like what the shows are do. They bring these like goofy machines and somebody gets touched on the back of the head and like jumps like that. That's exactly 
how these work and producers and are absolutely are we supposed to believe it and do yeah, you think yeah. they believe, believe you it? want to believe yeah like i don't know about i don't know but it's it's i think i think they probably half believe it i would guess mm-hmm. we can get into like the different people because i had different feelings about mm-hmm. um, yeah. each of them but um but but yeah and then there's the, the thing that they add to this uh, on top of the queer eye and the sort of older like sci-fi channel ghost hunter style shows is this this veneer of we're here, which we've talked about? Yes, which absolutely. is like, uh, as a reminder, is like the the show where it was um, the three drag queens, Bob the drag queen, and Eureka, okay. and um, I'm forgetting Shangela, who went into like small rural towns and right. like you know did did sort of queer uh, intervention, <laughs> like <laughs> like on the on the whole town and on some people there. They try so <laughs> so haphazardly to like do that in this and to me it's one of the funnier parts actually because it's Mm -hmm. so bad like so badly done and ridiculous and there's this turn at the end of all the episodes that i watched to kind of like a like live your truth like be vulnerable sort of therapy their queer therapy speak as a solution to the hauntings right (laughs) which like doesn't make any sense it's amazing Uh, the other ghost shows have that too? No, like, no, it's your no. They'll bring in like a priest, like you're, like a normal person, <laughs> right. you know, like like <laughs> a normal let's, person. Like let's deal with it. The opposite uh, of a ghost hunting a priest. Yeah, He's like yeah. suppress your truth. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. Get out of here. Uh, get, go back into the yeah you know, to the spiritual closet. Um, so I no, I I thought it was really really funny. I have not laughed this much like in a long time, just like consistently throughout a show. But I think it's because I'm like. I'm like camping it, right? Like it's not, I wasn't taking it seriously in the way that you were. So I think, I think that maybe is a difference. Jules, what was your reaction? I mean, I feel like I'm moderating a cage match now. So a lot <laughs> yeah, of was it the best show you've ever seen in recent memory? Or the worst. That's harming the community. Um, yeah, it's harming actually, the community. I actually do kind of fall in the middle. Like here's, here's how I feel. I will say I am, like, obviously a pretty skeptical person, you know, Mm. writ large. However, I personally have had at least two experiences in my own life that I would qualify as ghost experiences. Mm -hmm. So, I'm I'm open. Um, However, okay, so two things that really structured my experience. On the one hand, I also am a person who, as an adult, probably because of all of the traumas I've had in life, still get afraid of the dark. And so Mm. watching the show is actually like a bit stressful because I try not to watch anything with like, like scary content in the evenings because like, I'll just have scary dreams and stuff. So I was a little like not willing to totally pay serious attention. Um, I actually really appreciated the campiness and the sort of low quality because it kept pulling me out of the actual scary scenarios because I do not want to be in, you know, um, a haunted hotel bar with all the lights off, you know, talking to an apparition <laughs> in the corner. Like, that is not okay for me. Um, That's most gay bars, honestly. <laughs> right. It also, right. Talk about what was haunting me. You know, I think, it, I think you know... So a couple of things like, yeah, I agree. For me, the the part that like, on the one hand was sort of the most embarrassing, but then I actually really appreciated as an emotional lifeline was the way they tried to queer eye it to turn that into a verb, like going to a bar in a small town in Arizona. And then there's just like some regular at the bar who's like, I have a non-binary child. And then like, and then, of yeah, course, people in Arizona have Southern accents. They all have Southern <laughs> accents. And then, like, of course, a gay man ha- in, in this crew has to 
flee mm-hmm. the bar to cry because mm-hmm. his dad doesn't still doesn't love yes. him. And I was like, what is happening, honey? I don't think you're ready for TV if you're actually having <laughs> a complete breakdown um, over someone else being a parent. You know, like moments like that, I was just like, what is happening? This is so messy. Um, and yes. I, then I was kind of like addicted to that. So, you know, I, I think there's just sort of like, this larger question, this is the most boring response I could have, but like, I am a historian of the United States and a scholar of this country. Like, Uh-oh, they're driving. Here we go. Context well, is coming. No, no, no. They're just driving around the Southwest, right? And I always think it's interesting for like the United States to be haunted because, like, for example, in one episode, they go to a house that was built in 2008. And yes. I was like, <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, like McMansion. Oh where, yeah, where did this McMansion and this really, really, really rich young white woman? I'm like, where did she collect uh, a ghost? Yeah. Like, nothing has happened yeah. here except, like, you know, probably financial fraud and hedge fund business. <laughs> and then, like, the episode, yeah. the episode ends up becoming about, like, like the researcher, Roz, is like, okay, well, I looked into it. And actually, you know, there were a lot of wars against indigenous people on this land. And I was like, okay, my blood pressure is going through the roof right now. This yeah. is really stressful. I was like, what are we talking about? And so there is this way that the show kind of like, on the one hand, right, like the kind of turning everything into personal trauma, yeah. I find really often patronizing as someone who has had <laughs> diagnosed PTSD, but also like as a historian, I was like, no, right, like we live in a country founded on brutal centuries long violence and genocide. Like, yeah, we actually like should be more than haunted by that. Like this is a really ongoing, like severe, you know, kind of crisis, a catastrophe. And then it's like, okay, and so maybe there's ghosts haunting this white lady's McMansion. Like, I just don't know what to do with that. Um, And so I had to like not think about it until it came back into my head right now. (laughs) It did feel like they were trying to... um, force like four different kinds of shows together mm, yeah. such that they're able to sort of um like barely touch on a lot of really intense things mm-hmm. like okay also the second episode is where i fa- of the about the hotel with the sex worker who died by suicide right. um there was a moment at the end where they're, you know, talking to, I think she's the proprietor or the manager of the hotel, um, yeah. this black woman who, like, really a lot of emotions come up during a tarot mm. reading with Ken. Yeah. And, you know, she's like, I'm feeling angry. I feel like it's never <clears throat> my turn in life. You know, I have things with my health. Uh-huh. And he's like, well, this demon is attaching to you because <laughs> yeah, of your unhealed wild. trauma and pain. Yeah. I was like, excuse me. Like, I-, I don't think blaming a demon for this, A, is going to help her feel better and be kind of feels like you're blaming her for mm-hmm. having this de- the you know demon in the hotel which like she she believes is happening they allegedly believe it's happening so okay but uh it feels like a little bit of a false promise when they then leave her with like juniper and a crystal to, <laughs> I, to say okay this will protect you now i died oh my and God. yeah then yeah. uh similarly in episode 4 which is when I stopped watching it. Um, there was, there's a straight man or a man in a heterosexual relationship who um, claims to be like still haunted by this spirit that attached to him when he went to a haunted house eight years ago in an old hospital. Right. And uh, Ken, a lot of this is actually Ken's fault, I think, the tarot reader. He's like, um, 
the girlfriend is like, oh, you know, he's got some angry energy or, you know, things will seem fine. And then he's not. And they're like, yeah, that's because of the spirit that's attached to him. Like, no, maybe he's just a shitty boyfriend. Um, It feels like they're like encountering people's real problems and real trauma in the Mm. vein of a queer eye or something and like shoehorning them into a demon shaped box um mm-hmm. which is part of the harm that i feel which is causing. their job though yeah. yeah exactly it's it's the reason why they exist it, for the show and also in their lives as you know presumably they make some money off of their um spiritual gifts in real life mm. and so that's when i was i really kind of felt like this show might actually be doing a little bit of damage wherever it goes maybe i was watching it in too serious of a mood i did laugh a lot every time there if there wasn't some sort of emotional breakdown or emotional breakthrough on the show one of them would have it like the um instance you were talking about jules uh it felt really forced to me how do you respond to that brian How do you defend uh, that? How do I defend that? Well, I think I, I think the things you've both said, both about the sort of historical contextuals and then also about the the way the show engages with the the clients or the subjects is is like sobering, right? I think I think that's true. I guess I thought it was so chaotic and kind mm. of bad. I don't want to say badly. I think it was produced exactly the way it wanted to be, but I think it mm-hmm. it, it chose a kind of free associative approach to this that that I found amusing just in itself. So I didn't really pay attention that much to like the specific things you guys are talking about. Like <laughs> as, as you like, as you like talk about them, I'm remembering like how horrible actually that um, encounter was between Ken, the tarot card reader and that manager, because right. She, she seemed to be really distressed. The juniper, I like <laughs> spat out my drink. I was like, I cannot <laughs> believe that that's the prescription, like some, some juniper berries. Um, so that's all true. I just, I guess I just didn't, even get close to taking it that seriously. So maybe that says something yeah. about me. No, uh, I mean, I don't think it's but, meant to be taken seriously. Yeah. yeah. The other thing I was wondering if you guys have thoughts on is why did these people have to be gay? Like, I I thought maybe they're going to be talking to queer why ghosts. Why could they be straight? <laughs> just like, what what do you think the show is trying to do or yeah. to give us by, right. by combining the ghost hunting thing and right. the queer thing? That's a legitimate um, question that I don't think the show you. knows the answer to. I don't think so. Either. I have, I actually have a quote for you about how that came oh my to God. be. Someone is really preparing for you. this show. Yeah. So this is from an article that I just found on NBC News about the sort of production of the show. Um, and this is the Queer Eye producer, Rob Eric, speaking. He says, <clears throat> initially, this is how he was like, approached about the idea. A call was made to us that said Kristen Stewart wanted to talk about a show idea. And she got on and said... Wouldn't it be fun if we could do something different, like gay ghost hunters? Oh my god! And, and we were like, "Gay Scooby Doo, we're in." So, oh, oh, barf. <laughs> so that's why they're I'm gay. I'm so mad at this show for giving me a reason to not like Kristen Stewart. I know, especially it's her, if idea. It was her idea. I need to be well, exercised of this feeling. But isn't that like basically it? Right? It's like this kind of idea that because we live in this in this super ultra confessional culture right now, we're also like queer has been reduced to on the one hand being traumatized and being traumatized is really virtuous and means you're supposed to have this kind of empathy like i feel like the show's thesis is where people have profound empathy to the point where they might be able to heal ghosts uh who 
you know, that's probably, a claim in like the material. Yeah. Right. And like, yeah. probably some of those ghosts are homophobic, but whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, but like, that's it. Right. And it's like, it is this kind of thing that like, you don't want to, you don't even want to like think about that for more than five seconds. Cause it's actually a pretty demeaning mm-hmm. <laughs> reduction of queer people to being this kind of cultural prop. I mean, that was always my issue with queer. That was not my only issue with queer. Eye. I was just mm-hmm. like, this is really patronizing and actually kind of like, rude in a way that I don't think the the early aughts original series was at all. Um, and this idea that like queer people are basically supplements or band-aids for the rest of the world that like, because we've been so wronged, we can go around and fix like people's lives or like help save small businesses. It's just like such a bizarre, <laughs> it totally makes sense in the world we live in, but like, I just, it's so cringeworthy. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, on the other hand, the the opportunity is just to meet really funny, irreverent, well-dressed people who do the kind of business of ghost hunting better than heterosexuals would. But that's just not really, I think, where TV is right now, sadly. I mean, I would watch that show, but I think I think you're right that yeah. that would be a show with five Roses and maybe some actual on-screen Kristen Stewart. Ugh, yes. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, the other thing I was thinking of, there's, uh, well, first of all, they do have queer ghosts at one point That's in true. the sanatorium episode. Right. They, it's, it's so surreal where they're like, let's have, we found these photos, Roz with her research, find some photos of some gender nonconforming people who were at the sanatorium and had, had like a cute photo sesh together. I'm like, were they? imprisoned there because they were queer like that's sort of a question that doesn't get broached but they're like oh they look like they're having so much fun together let's have a halloween party and maybe they'll have fun with us and that'll like heal them or something (laughs) whatever the other part that i think is relevant (laughs) to the both queer and ghost hunting is there's sort of a heart-to-heart moment that the cast has where they're talking about their queerness and their um Mm. spiritual gifts Mm. and logan says and they do this with, you know, as serious as a grave. He's like, I don't yeah. know what I was more scared of as a teenager, telling people I was gay or telling them I saw ghosts. Hunting. And Juju goes, as a queer person and a self-proclaimed witch, you're just coming out all the time. That's the part where I actually was laughing. And I like called my <laughs> wife over. And I was like, you have to see this. Yeah. I can't believe yeah. this is happening. <laughs> it, do- it feels uh, like... I wanted to watch it with the Brian attitude. Um, and to some sense, I did enjoy it from that perspective. But I also am imagining people watching it and thinking, yeah, they're right. Like, yeah, they're like do- duly oppressed. And right. you're right. Being queer is just like having a paranormal gift. Um, and that claim just, again, it just felt like uh, I don't want a straight person to watch this and come away <laughs> thinking that, uh, all queer people feel this way. Well, you've ruined the show for me. No, uh, no. Yeah, actually, I love it. I, you, you couldn't possibly do that. Okay, uh, good. It, uh, but no, th- I mean that. I did. I like cackled at that scene, but that I think maybe that just shows how broken I am. Uh, <laughs> that I that I did not take it at all seriously and thought that they were being ridiculous. Yeah, it was funny. I just don't like them as people. I don't like somebody <laughs> who, who would say something like that. Well, there's the poll quote. She doesn't like I just them as don't people. like them as people. No offense. I think that's a, a great place to wrap it up. You know what? I want to say, listeners, I don't think we fully came to a unanimous decision. Yeah. Uh, you know, 
slay or nay on living for the dead. So I think we have to turn it to you all. Uh, what what do you think about this show? Go out, give it a watch. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, send us a message uh, at our podcast at slate.com or send us a voice memo and, and help us, you know, figure out once and for all uh, whether this is the worst show that's ever existed that sets the LGBTQ <laughs> community back 30 years <laughs> or it's actually perfection and utopia and is about to deliver us to a world of plenitude and justice. We'll, we'll find out next month. <laughs> Can't wait to hear. Yeah. All right, so before we wrap up the show, we still have to get to our excellent additions to the gay agenda, and we will get to those right after a quick break. All right, that is about the end of the show for this month. But before we go, we would never leave you without your monthly updates to the gay agenda. Uh, Jules, why don't you start us off? Sure. Well, you know, there (laughs) is a lot going on in the world right now. Um, So I have a recommendation that I do believe does fall under the gay agenda, though perhaps, you know, leave it to listeners to determine the relative gayness thereof. Um, I want to recommend a series from the progressive uh, Jewish publication, Jewish Currents, where I have been very lucky to get to, to publish from time to time. You know, there's there's a lot of, um, you know, in-depth writing and reportage uh, on what's going on in, in the Gaza Strip right now. But Jewish Currents has a series called Dispatches from Gaza um, that are just some really moving, very thoughtful, um, well-researched and well-written um, kind of, as they say, sort of, you know, vignettes and, and pieces um you know, from from the Gaza Strip itself, just can't recommend that enough. Um, I know there's a lot, a lot competing um, for everyone's attention in their media diet, but um, I really love the work that Jewish Currents do, does, and I think um, this is a really wonderful series. If you have some time to to sit down and read, um, you know, as we as we do so many other things, yeah, yeah, they've been a really great resource in this moment. Yeah, yeah they have an explainer that's really good too. If people are mm-hmm. looking for something like that, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, well, absolutely. Christina, what do you have for us? Um, mine's a lot more superficial than that. <laughs> well, uh, well I, have to, <laughs> I have to recommend Autostraddle's coverage of Allie Krieger and Ashlyn Harris's divorce. Have you guys been <laughs> following this news story? No. I feel so old. I don't know who those people are. <laughs> oh, my God. I was about to say, in case you're straight, these Ooh. are yeah. two... <laughs> Pro soccer stars met on the U.S. Women's National Team. Right. Okay. okay. They played in Orlando together for a few years. And for the past several years, they've been, without a doubt, the most beloved couple in U.S. women's soccer. They have two young kids together. One is just 14 months old. They're both super hot. Um, Their wedding in January 2020 was uh, extraordinarily documented on social media. I actually wrote (laughs) a post about it for Slate. That's right. Forgot about until I was um, thinking of this gay agenda item. And on October 11th of this year, People Magazine reported that they were getting divorced and had basically already been separated for a few months. Uh. Just one week after that. People Magazine came back around and said that a source from inside their social circle, eyebrow raised, confirmed that Ashlyn and Sophia Bush, the actress and now sort of C-list celebrity activist, went on their first dinner date together. Oh, wow. But People Magazine is not where you should be reading about all this because (laughs) Autostraddle is the one that has the receipts. They tracked when Ashlyn and Allie stopped appearing in each other's Instagram posts. What? (laughs) When they know when they each took 
the words proud wife out of their Instagram bio. When the rumors began that Sophia and Ashlyn were dating because they were in photos together and stuff, they also noted how Ashlyn and Sophia were posed together in photos. And all of this reporting has been imbued with what I think is a proper amount of sensitivity and mourning for those of us who (laughs) are taking this news really personally. I appreciate that a lot because this isn't a neutral news item. Um, I don't want to view it with the sort of um, rubbernecking, salacious uh, excitement that a a People magazine reader would Um. read. You know, it's um, it's actually really serious. And I appreciate that Autostraddle is treating it that way. Another recommendation I would like to give is on Allie Krieger's Instagram account. Just last week, on the day of Ashlyn's birthday, she posted just a few photos of herself kicking the soccer ball, saying, preparing for the playoffs while in my Beyonce lemonade era, (laughs) which implies infidelity. And uh, not only that, but other uh, famous soccer players that, Jules, I'm sure you wouldn't know, but many people would, um, from the U.S. Women's National Team, were uh, seemed to be supporting her in the comments, um, expressing gratitude for people in the comments who are coming out in support of Allie. So um, I am following this news story closely. I'll probably have another update on our um, next episode. Uh, we'll see how things develop. But I just want you guys to know that um, I'm on it and I'm not going to let it go. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm converted. This is the gay agenda. Fair enough. Go to Autostraddle for the full context and then head over to Instagram um, and spend a few hours in the comments to get, you know, the full reaction. <laughs> Uh, incredible. Wow. I, I did not know this was the story I needed to be following. Um, yeah, you're welcome. Um, what about you, Ryan? What are you <laughs> at the table? Uh, I just have a, a, a much lighter, fun, sort of spooky season, <laughs> Samhain season, uh, recommendation, which is a queer non-binary witch that you should follow on Instagram and TikTok. The handle is at Riot Adams. That's R-I-O-T-A-D-D-A-M-S. This is an amazing uh, real practicing witch who teaches you spells and charms and hexes and all of that that involve a lot of cool herbs and candles and <laughs> all the thread and all the little things that you want to do when you're doing spells. But <laughs> they often do it in this sort of draggy character named Peggy, who sounds <laughs> like she's she's your mom from Queens and she's like oh, rambling man. on about how much she dislikes your boyfriend or how expensive <laughs> eggs are while she's conjuring like a bigger tax <laughs> refund. Uh, so it's just great. It's super queer. It's very hilarious. It's also very informative. Again, a real practicing witch. So you're learning real stuff. Uh, so do yourself a favor and follow for this season. Uh, again, that's at Riot Adams, A-D-D-A-M-S. Why didn't they cast Peggy on Living for the Dead? I mean, uh, yeah, that would have been a stronger, a stronger choice. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Season two. Uh, okay. With that, uh, that is the end of the show for today. Uh, please send us your topic ideas and feedback at outwardpodcast.com, or you can hit us up uh, via Facebook or X at Slate Outward. Just a reminder that by joining Slate Plus, you'll get ad-free podcasts, extra segments on shows like The Waves and Working, and you will never hit a paywall on the Slate site. To learn more about supporting us in that way, go to slate.com slash outwardplus. Our show was produced by Palace Shaw. Welcome, Palace, the Outward Yay. team. Yeah. 
If you like Outward, please subscribe in your podcast app. Tell your friends about it. Rate and review the show so others can find it and join us in all the fun. With that, goodbye, my friends, and happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Stay safe from all your ghosts, friends. (laughs) I will. Stay gay, everybody. Bye.